In this episode of Report to Wyoming, I get to talk to Tom Rea. He's a historian and a writer with the Wyoming History Project. Um, We talk about Matthew Campfield. He was a black man who came to Casper at the turn of the century. Campfield was well known as a barber, but he was also elected as a Natrona County coroner in 1892 and 1894. I love getting to talk to Tom about Wyoming history. I feel really lucky that I get to invite people like him to come to the radio station and tell cool stories. So I hope you like it, too. He's a really interesting guy, and and um, and just because of um, Army pension bureaucracy, there's a big file on him because he he got a, he had an Army pension. He was in the he was a black man. He was born in slavery in Georgia. He served in the Civil War in Arkansas and the USCI U.S. Colored Infantry. Um, May, do you mind if I interrupt a couple no. times? So, if he was enslaved and then serving. Um, in the Civil War, yeah. was he fighting for his own slavery? Um, well, he <clears throat> he would have been emancipated. It's, I mean, that would have probably been one reason he joined the army was to secure his emancipation. I would expect. So oh. these were free men, free black men, who were fighting in the Union Army. About halfway through the Civil War, they started these black regiments and they armed these guys. And this was a huge cultural thing to see black men in uniform with guns and um, and they fought well um, for the whole second half of the Civil War including um, this one regiment that was in Arkansas so, oh, okay. so yeah a lot of people don't know that yeah and so after he um, uh, after he was mustered out at the end of the war he was mustered out at Fort Leavenworth <clears throat> which is in northeastern Kansas on the Missouri River he was around there for a while he was a barber and did other things. He ended up further west in Kansas, kind of as maybe a servant, sort of, for um, a well-known army officer named Wincoop, who who was connected a lot to Indian policy on the plains and in Colorado, especially later. And then um, after a while, um, uh, he ends up in Rock River, Wyoming. By now, the railroad has been built. And by the uh, eight, late 1870s, uh, Rock River, which is uh, which is uh, uh, 45 miles northwest of Laramie on the on Route 30, you know that you've been by there probably. Mm-hmm. I think what's that two hours away from us, maybe? Uh, yeah, probably about that. Okay. Yeah, an hour and a half to Medicine Bow and another. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous down there. How did so, you end up over here? So, um, and he was working there, and he was married by then, and then. A uh, new railroad was built past Douglas to Casper, and so that that Rock River, which had been a major shipping point, jumping off point for the cattle business, um, it, was, um, it was the shortest way at the time to get from the railroad all the way up to the uh, Powder River Basin up around Buffalo, which was booming with cattle then. And so, uh, so he was there for a while, being a barber and doing other things, and and then um, when the railroad came to Douglas and Glenrock and Casper. A different railroad. Um, he came up here and was in Casper in its earliest years, so 1889, 1890, around that. Walter and Jones. I know this is maybe yeah. just the sandbar. Right. At this right, point. Right. Right. And so the sand. This is even before the sandbar was even part of town. So right up oh, wow. uh, town was just uh, well, this what's now pretty much the intersection of Second and Center Street was the was the middle of town. There was an earlier version of town over by where the uh, where the um, where, the, where Bosco's is, 
uh, A Street and about, what is that, McKinley, but that was the first sort of commercial establishment, but then, then they moved it over here to pretty much where it is now. I wonder about the culture of Wyoming back then. I mean, staying in the South would have been hard for a black person. Yep. I'm just trying to picture Wyoming as a neutral space. Do you think there's any truth in that? Maybe it would have been more attractive. Like, why did he come to Wyoming? He could be a barber anywhere. That's a good question. I, you know, and I don't know that we really know, except that there was, he must have been following work, you know. He, and, he was, and he was a barber because he didn't have any feet. He was, while, that, while he was still working for that guy, Wincoop, in Kansas and, and connected with Army people, he was driving a wagon one winter. This would be about 1867, so not long after he'd left uh, Leavenworth um, in a blizzard and he froze his feet. Um, a doctor found him still in an army kind of hospital about an hour and a half, a year and a half after it had happened and did a more proper um, amputation. And, and he had, so he had wooden feet, two wooden feet. So he couldn't walk around much. How and, high was um, the amputation? At his ankle. Okay. And uh, so he, and so he probably, he might've been able to stand on them all day to cut hair. He might've sit on a tall stool. I don't really know. Uh, the one, there's one uh, wonderful photograph of him, which you can see on yohistory.org, which is, he's, um, he's right out, out here on North Center Street. The, the barbershop was right about, you know, half a block south of Second and Center on the west side, um, the, the old Wonder Bar side, the Ribbon Chop House side. Oh, okay. uh, um, uh, and there was, uh, and he was next to drugstore on one side and the Wyoming Derrick which was a newspaper office he was right oh. between them and uh, there's a picture of him sitting on the hitching rail there he's a big man uh, kind of looking around over his shoulder and smoking a little cigar kind of smiling at the camera a bunch of other people in the camera too but it's a really there's a lot of personality in that in that photo yeah and he wouldn't have been the only black person and I'm just getting this from Jones's book right there were more black people in the 1920s yeah. and 30s but yeah um would he have been probably very few not many i mean there were only 500 people in casper at the time ah. and uh and how many of those were african-american that's a good question we should oh I, we should look that up and see if we can find some census data huh. his wife was with him also all his time and she uh, was a slave as well yeah right? and she'd been a slave as well her name was fanny davis and um and he was must have been pretty well liked in town because twice in a row, so two different times, two years apart, uh, he was elected Matrona County Coroner. And there's a story in that article which I think really is revealing about how things worked and a little it's about race and culture and time and being in a small town. So he had this he had this barbershop. Um, in the back there was a bathtub, and if you wanted, you could pay fifty cents more uh, for a bath. And uh, this cowboy named George Mitchell must have thought it would be pretty funny. Stole the bathtub one day and took it out to Alcova and uh, put it in the hot springs there, right, right where the um, where the notch where the dam is now, the Alcova Dam. There was the hot springs there, uh, and so he put the dam, you know, probably where the hot water would flow into it, and you could get a nice bath. Mm. And instead of complaining to the sheriff or even going to George Mitchell, the cowboy, who took, who took the bathtub. Um, every time somebody came in walk, looking for a bath, uh, um, 
George um, uh, Matt Canfield would would make a uh, make a mark on the wall, and then after it got up to seventy marks at fifty cents a piece, that's thirty five dollars. He got and George Mitchell by then had opened a lumber yard in Casper. He's actually he was he, George Mitchell was actually the, one of the first mayors of Casper and had this lumber business for some time after that. And um, uh, uh, Matt Canfield went to him and said, "Well." Uh, you've accumulated, uh, you've now uh, robbed me of uh, $35 worth of my income, so how about if you give me $35 worth of lumber, and which would have been a lot, and, uh, and, so, and so he got the lumber. And he had, a, he had a, a piece of land that he'd filed on just west of, out west of town, which is where, about where Fort Casper is now, and he had a homestead there, and so he was, I'm sure, building sheds and corrals and stuff out there. That's amazing. Yeah. So instead of a confrontation that could have gotten him killed, probably, mm -hmm. um, he kept a long memory and he made it public, you know. So everybody went in there and knew what those marks were about. And so, so after, and so eventually, probably not wanting to look like uh, the wild young uh, cowboy who thought a joke probably what other people might not thought was so funny, um, you know, felt that it was in his interest to pay up. So that's just uh, that's a interesting story. Um, well, I just think about the nexus of like people who come into a barber shop at that time too, mm -hmm. well, and I wonder how that plays a role in his character in the town and being liked and charismatic. Mm -hmm. Maybe people felt like they could trust him. You, I, I always say my hairdresser is a, a counselor uh -huh. in so many ways, and uh -huh. so. I wonder how that kind of factored into it. We'll never know all those little things, but mm -hmm. it's certainly interesting. So many guys probably would have gone in there to get groomed, and yeah. you're sort of vulnerable in those positions too. Yeah, yeah, that's so. interesting. Yeah, and it's a, so it's a very male place, and also uh, uh, a talking place. So, um, like my barber here in town is a he tells great stories, and they're different every time, and they're always interesting. And so that's one reason I that's one reason I like going there. And there's, one or two, often one or two other people in there. People listen to each other. People are um, courteous. Nobody ever talks about politics, and uh, but people talk about a lot about cars and hunting and fishing. And it's uh, and yeah. So maybe that was the case then too. You know. So, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he, he was a coroner. Oh yeah, and you know that's right. He was in. They were in Buffalo, Wyoming territory for a while before they came to Casper. Um, and he also cut hair up there. Buffalo was a brand new town uh, in 1879 and 80 after the end of the Indian Wars, uh, and it was opening up for cattle in a big hurry. And there was an army base up there uh, at Fort McKinney, just west of Buffalo. And his wife Fanny uh, cooked and kept house for the colonel of the of the regiment there, and, and in Buffalo. And he um, and he. And he cut hair then too, and he ran for the territorial legislature. He's on the ballot there too, Matt Canfield is, and uh, he got one vote. So it's probably him. Hmm. Um, but he, ha he was ambitious. Yeah, yeah, and publicly minded maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, because in Natrona County, you know, 15 years later, he got elected corner twice. And I wonder if coroner meant he was also sort of an undertaker, 
Um, maybe he was doing that for people too. I don't know if there was. I don't know. That'd be interesting to try to find out. Yeah. I wonder if he was well-to-do. Did he make good money? Do you know? Uh, no, he was. Um, uh, so because of his, uh, so after he got to Casper, he started filing paperwork to get a Union Army pension. This is why we know as much about him as we do. And uh, in order to, um, so he qualified as a as a veteran of the of the Union Army. He qualified for a uh, pension of twelve dollars a month, which he eventually got. But that takes a lot of paperwork, and in order to make that happen, you have to uh, file a lot of people, you know, variety of people, maybe five or six people, write affidavits, long letters, uh, attesting to your good um, character. And so that's that's. And those these papers are in the National Archives in Washington D.C., and and the 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 huge bureaucracy that was the Pension Bureau was the first really big federal bureaucracy that grew up after the Civil War when you know there were hundreds of thousands of soldiers, and you know many tens of thousands of those maybe were wounded and so were um, were uh, were eligible for pensions, and so that's what. I guess his wounded feet must have counted. I don't think he was still in the army then, um, but somehow that made him eligible for a pension. He got the pension, uh, but his, he was a big guy and his health wasn't very good. And I'm sure you know, just having wooden feet for the whole second half of your life is hard on your health in a lot of ways. And uh, so he died of a heart attack uh, in Casper in 1897, I think, or eight. Um, he left $1,200 in debts, and his wife, we have that record because she was selling stuff to pay off his debts. Oh, uh, household goods. Fanny. Yeah. Did they have yeah. children? Not that I know of. No, I don't think so. Hmm. And she, but she, we also know a lot about her because she applied for a widow's pension, which would have been $8 a month. And um, by then she was back in Leavenworth where she had other family. And uh, this went on for a long time, and one white man tried to help her for a long time, and then he actually took off with a bunch of her money and left town. Um, some other guy tried to help her for a while, and finally, uh, and so there were people, is this interesting? There were people yeah. called pension examiners, I learned, um, who worked for the government, whose job it was to go out and interview these people who had written these affidavits. This is how closely the government was checking on did people really deserve these pensions or not. Hmm. And so he interviewed several people around Kansas who'd known him, who spoke well of him and spoke highly of his character and of hers. And then, but then they found a record, a marriage record, I think in, in, um, in Fort Leaven, in Leavenworth that showed that Campfield had been married uh, in, in the mid or late 1860s to a woman named Pauline somebody oh. and never divorced there was no record of any divorce he may have only been married for a few weeks she may even have been prostitute it's hard to tell and um, but he never there was never any divorce record so and he and Fanny had been married in the mid 1870s and so that meant that uh, she wasn't his legal wife and so she never got the pension Oh my gosh, I wonder if that was news to her as well, that he I'm had sure a previous wife. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of sad. That is kind of sad. It seems like 
back then so many that like even the feet and having to wear wooden feet yeah um or prosthetics you would never want to walk around on wood i had wooden crutches once as a kid mm -hmm. because in sublet county for some reason we didn't have any metal crutches laying around <laughs> and my mom put little like dish towels around the armpit mm -hmm. and i my blisters were so bad yeah and i had to wear those for like three use them for three months i can't imagine your feet being yeah 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 man. so i always think about history and i think people just um you didn't have a lot of choices it yeah. was just like suck it up or die yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. had to deal with so much i wonder if there was any i think about um child mortality maybe they tried to have children yeah, because it, it's not like birth control was no. a thing so no. there's a whole nother interesting layer of this story if you're interested which yeah. is that uh so in um, 1936, with uh, New Deal WPA funding, Casper was reconstructing Fort Casper. So this was like a, a replica. That those buildings out there were those log buildings out there now were were built in the 1930s on the exact footprint, the exact foundations of the original buildings. But they are buildings that were built in the 30s. And while this was going on, people were digging around. They found um, this was in the paper. They found some human uh, leg bones, and uh, the sheriff Jack Allen, the Natrona County Sheriff, says, uh, said, tells the paper, "Oh, those must be the bones of uh, that guy who lost his legs. That old uh, Uncle Matt, they call him, the black man, uh, who who didn't have any legs." Um, well, then it turned out it was only one leg. And then the paper decided it was somebody else entirely, a guy who owned, owned the bridge there at Fort Casper for a while in the 1860s, Guinard. They decided it was his leg. Um, but, uh, so that was wrong. And then, um, but the paper was sort of was satisfied for itself for a while. And then, then they got a long letter from W.S. Kimball, who was the same guy who had uh, founded the Wyoming Derrick in the 1890s, the former longtime newspaper guy himself. And he, uh, he had this, he, so it was his newspaper office that was right next door to Matt's um, barbershop. And, and he remembered him quite well and said, no, his name was not Matt Canfield, it was Matt Campfield. And um, yeah, we all knew him well and everybody liked him and he was the coroner and told all the pretty much correct stuff about it, plus a lot more information. And so that letter ran in the Casper paper in 1936. And, um, and after that, uh, um, uh, it became clear that, you know, uh, he'd been buried in Highland Cemetery, but there was no marker on the grave. Mm -hmm. And so the black community in Casper, uh, they had they, they, said they had a raffle then in 1936 to start, I think, the African Meth the AME Church, the African Methodist Episcopal Church in Casper, had a raffle to raise money uh, for a for a gravestone. Um, they got some of it. And really, they didn't really get all the money together for another almost 15 years, and uh, finally put together enough um, enough to get him a gravestone, and he has a nice big headstone over there now. And uh, there is a um, he had had a wooden marker after uh, with a with a, a star with a little metal rod with a metal star on the end it says G A R. Those are markers for. Union Veterans Grand Army of the Republic is a is a Union Army Veterans Organization, and, and you see those even still in graves sometimes. You see those GAR markers. He had one of those, and um, also instrumental in all this was um, 
was W.S. Kimball's daughter, Ednis Kimball, uh, for whom the park is named uh, east of town, Ednis Kimball Wilkins, who by then, by the late 50s, was a, was a, was a legislator, was a representative in the Wyoming House of Representatives, and she helped make all this come about. So. What about yeah. the um, park in North Casper? I think a lot of us have seen his name yeah. of the, well, it's the Matthew Campfield Park, right? Right, 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 right. And so if you've seen that and you're listening, you never knew what it was. Right. Now you know. Now you know. How did that become memorialized to him? Oh, I don't know that. That's a good, oh. it's fairly recent, I think, maybe only in the last 30 years or so that it's had that name, but hmm. I should be, uh, yeah, so his legacy, I mean, he really was yeah. a special guy in this community. Yeah. And even now, yeah. kids are going to see that. Yeah. And maybe they won't know who he is, but it's crazy that his name still means so much. Yeah, and, and after um, we published a shorter version of this in the Wyoming Historical Society newsletter uh, just last month, or just, yeah, it's February now, just last month. And, uh, um, and, after that, I was in, uh, two things happened. Um, talk about family memories and family stories. I was at the once a month meeting of the Natrona County Historical Society, and this one guy comes up to me, Doug Cooper, who, um, Doug loves everything about local history and knows a whole lot, and his grandfather, some very long generations in that Cooper family. He said, my grandfather, he knew him, he knew Matt Campbell, Field, Uncle Matt, everybody called him Uncle Matt, and uh, and um, my granddad would borrow money from him, twelve percent. That was the going rate then, said Doug. And uh, uh, and and Matt was lending people money. I thought, well, that's interesting. That doesn't, you know. And then and the other thing was, I got an email from uh, Nancy Curtis in Glendo, Wyoming, and she's uh, she's recently retired as the longtime publisher of um, High Plains Press. Uh, a publishing company in, in Glendo, which has published a lot of really great books about Wyoming history over the years. So I mean, she knows a whole lot, and she has a long memory. Um, and she sent me this uh, really nice email about, so she remembers George Mitchell, the cowboy who stole the bathtub, that, oh, wow. that, uh, that um, <coughs> by, you know, for much of the second half of his life, he had a ranch on the North Laramie River. Was neighbors of her family on that, you know, on that same part of Wyoming, and and they remembered him as a as a kind of a stone-faced old guy sitting in a three-piece suit in his uh, living room and drinking whiskey all day. And what year did we? You say he died? He died in eighteen ninety-eight, I think. So it's over one hundred and twenty years. Yeah. But still, yeah. that's only maybe two people ago. Right. Less than that. Right. Right. So these oral histories, we talked about sources last time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get some of the really good, touching stuff from those, yeah. like Uncle Matt. Yeah. But then other records, where else were you able to find stuff? The military records, you said. Right, right. He has military records. And then these uh, these pension records, which is sort of a different category from, uh, you know, there's, there's Civil War military records, which will show you when someone was, um, when he was... When he, when he enlisted, when he was promoted, and when he was mustered out, which means when he left the service. Mm. And uh, so we know that Matt Campfield was, uh, he was a musician. So he would have been in the regimental band, and, and eventually he was a head musician, so he was the leader of the band. Mm. And um, uh, 
so but that's about all you know from those records uh, but the, but these pension records are full of information and then that long letter that Ennis Kimball's father wrote to the paper in the mid-1930s is also packed with a lot of information about the Campfields. So those are the main sources for this for this okay. article. Yeah. Do we know anything about his like character, just adjectives for a personality that we could piece together? Yeah. Um, just that people seem to be telling the government that he was a good and reliable man who I guess paid his bills. Well, maybe not if he had $1,200 in debts when he died. But, um, and the fact that he was elected, so people would have known him and liked him, I think. Hmm. Okay. I and that they called that. him Uncle Matt, which is, and they called her Aunt Fanny. And that's kind of a <coughs> uh, patronizing thing. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a race thing, too, to, to call elderly black people Uncle and Annie, uh, Uncle and Aunt. Oh. And that's, uh, um, uh, uh, that was common throughout the hmm. USA. What about the photographs that you have? Where were you able to find those? Uh, at the Casper College Western History Center. <coughs> oh, so um, sorry. Um, especially that that one of Matt, and and then there's another one. They have two of him. One of a, just a head and shoulders portrait of him, and then that one I told you about him and some other people on Center Street, including him sitting on the on the pitching rail, looking over his shoulder. Um, that uh, barber shop he owned. Um, uh, Kimball, who had the, who had the print shop and the newspaper, then also owned the space that was a drugstore, was renting it on the other side of Matt, and then later bought that building, and the barber shop was in the other half of that same building, and so he wanted to expand into the, uh, into the drugstore, and um, so he evicted Matt Campbell, Matt Camfield. And uh, and that and Camfield wasn't particularly pleased about that, as you might imagine. Maybe that's when he stopped being a barber. And uh, but the day that Campfield, or shortly after Campfield moved out, according to this long letter that W. S. Kimball wrote in the 1930s, so which would have been almost 40 years later, um, there was a shootout on Center Street that day, and there were some bullets that came into what only recently had been the uh, the barbershop and slammed into the wall right behind where Matt would have been standing. So oh, Kimball was able to tell Matt, by evicting you, I saved your life. <laughs> and oh, so, and okay. So, uh, and so Campbell says, yeah, well, maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> so. it really paints a picture of how wild and dangerous Casper would have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of gambling, fighting. Right. Jones's book really paints that picture too, where it would have there would have been a menagerie of just crazy characters running around. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that whole stuff. Uh, yeah, Walters talks about that in that book. I think doesn't he about how um, you know respectable women only walk did not walk on the west side of Center Street. Only <laughs> east, I think it's one side or the other. And it was a violent place. Yeah. There was a lot of violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's amazing how it was chronicled. There were always little presses, or uh, yeah. the Casper Star Tribune even has yeah. done a lot of um, digging. Mm -hmm. But and he must have liked Casper Campfield because yeah. he ended up staying here till he the very end. Yeah, right, right. So he mm -hmm. was here probably about maybe as much as ten years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he had to have had yeah, some longer grit. than in any of those other places. I guess he would yeah. have been. He missed like prohibition. Right. 
Was alcohol, was booze legal before he died? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Wyoming outlawed liquor about a year before the nation outlawed liquor. So, And that was 1920 when prohibition began nationally. Okay. Other states were doing it ahead of time. Wyoming just a little bit ahead of time, yeah. That's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. We have to story. get into. Very much, the yeah. sandbar is very much a part of that story because that's where right. that's where all the cafes and bars and speakeasies were. And then, yeah, when I was thinking about black history, that's where I was originally thinking about um, because there were so many black musicians and clubs mm -hmm. and um, that would have been a place where whites and blacks would get together. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it was always top secret, mm -hmm. and those were where the fun parties were at. Right, yeah. right. And then there's this woman, I don't know if you've heard of her, I think I may have emailed you this, but have you heard of the Queen of the Sandbar? What was her name? Do you remember? I think it was Virginia. Uh -huh. She was um, a wealthy black woman who owned a lot of brothels. Mm -hmm. She made her money mm -hmm. with these little, like, kind of wooden shacks and uh -huh. tents. and. Uh -huh. She was a madam yeah. and a business owner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize that there were so many black people in Casper at the time. Yeah. There really were. Oh, yeah. And there were actually a lot of, uh, it was a very diverse place in general because mm -hmm. there were different walks of life coming to work. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that just brought a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I do think Wyoming was a lot more neutral than the North and the South following the Civil War, I just mm -hmm. am inferring that. Mm -hmm. And then maybe even in the 1920s, it was just a place where people felt comfortable. Like, it was just as dangerous for everybody <laughs> yeah. as, you know, yeah. as it would have been yeah. no matter what. Yeah. 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 And what was, and Casper, you know, was was so, so much part of the oil business. Right. As well as a shipping place for cattle and sheep. But it, uh, but especially, especially the boom got really hot and going in the late 19-teens mm -hmm. uh, when, when Salt Creek oil field was booming and, and there was more oil coming out of Salt Creek than any other oil field in the world there for a few years. And, it was, uh, and so that kind of money was what was, what was uh, being spent down there on the, on the sandbar. Yeah. I imagine it was yeah. very fun and yeah. exciting, yeah. Yeah. a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah. 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 and a lot of single men looking for entertainment. Mm -hmm. So that's what also, that's why. Brothels were a good yeah, business. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Interesting. I'll try yeah. to find a picture of her for our listeners. Yeah. I have a photo gallery. I used the, some of the photos that you had sent. Great. Which is great. And then, so you can find pictures of uh, the one that he's talking about, Matthew Campfield there. Um, I think there were a few that I was able to find, either from you or Hans with the um, Western history. Mm -hmm. Or, or what is it? Western History Archives? Center. It's called the Center. Casper College Western History Center. It is gotcha. an archive. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Some pictures I'll see are labeled Casper College Archives, and I'm like, oh, and then the Western History Center. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's all the same place. And he was pretty helpful, too. So yes, he We've is. got like 56 yeah. photos. Oh, wow. Great. So, yeah. Cool. yeah. But then also, you can hear, you can read um, Tom's story at is it wyominghistoryproject.org? No, it's just called oh, Y-O History, yohistory.org. Okay. Yep. Um, you can find lots more information on Wyoming history on yohistory.org. There's hundreds of articles. There's field trip suggestions. There's, there's many, many uh, historic photos. There's maps. There's 
current today photos there's activities there's history there's history uh, itineraries in Wyoming and much much more so I hope you'll check it out yohistory.org is a project of the Wyoming Historical Society uh, nonprofit membership organization thanks <laughs>